Hey folks, Jeremiah Wood here with TrappingToday.com and welcome to the first episode of the Trapping Today podcast. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for tuning in. This is a brand new thing for me. I've uh, never done a podcast, so this may be a little bit shaky at first. I'm sure we'll get through it. Um, I just wanted to, uh, I've been wanting to start a podcast for a long time and, uh, you know, my background is, um, my my involvement in the trapping industry online is trappingtoday.com. So that's the website. Uh, that's where I provide um, fur market updates, provide trapping news and information, and uh, and a bunch of different resources there. So anyway, um, a little bit about me. I'm a trapper from northern Maine, and I have been trapping um, for about uh, 15, 20 years now, I guess. Uh, probably going probably about 18 years or so and I started trapping in high school I uh, I really got the bug I, I always wanted to trap you know you know um, love the outdoors love hunting and fishing and trapping was just something I thought would be the greatest thing to to try to make a living or you know make some income uh, off the land trapping so my dad never trapped uh, he took me hunting and fishing a lot but uh, finally, I was in high school, and a guy, old timer, moved next door and taught me how to trap. He was a trapper, and it was the coolest thing ever. So uh, the first species I started trapping was Martin, first animal I caught. You know, a lot of people uh, start out water trapping, and the muskrat is the first animal they catch. That's pretty common. Uh, mine was a Martin. And uh, I just was instantly hooked. I've I've loved Martin trapping ever since. Uh, I've I graduated high school, went to college, continued to trap uh, through most of college. Uh, I moved out west. I was in Utah. Uh, I trapped out there. I was out in Idaho for a while, and then I was in Montana for for about five years, and I trapped there as well. So um, I I did move back to Maine, um, back home here in the woods of northern Maine, and uh, doing a little bit of trapping here, um, continuing on. But anyway... uh, I started trapping today about 10 years ago, and I think it was 2007, and it was just something that I, I, I love trapping, and I wanted to provide information. There really wasn't much, and there really isn't a lot out there necessarily for like a, a blog or trapping news, you know, um, probably the, the biggest resource for trappers is uh, trapperman.com, the forums there. And that's more of a sort of a community. Uh, there's a, tons of topics, all kinds of information. Uh, most trappers that I know that are under the age of 50 uh, go on Trapperman, whether they post or not. They're they're following uh, to see what goes on there. There's a lot of information there. But outside of that, you know, you've got you got a few guys that are putting stuff up, and then you've got uh, trapping supply companies and. You know they they uh, play an important part of the industry, but their job is to sell trap trapping supplies and equipment. So um, something that's dedicated to providing um, a good source of quality information for trappers is what I I felt was important and and I felt there was a need for it, and so I started a website. Uh, a lot of people found the site through Google searches and uh, trying to. Learn about fur prices, and that was a pretty popular topic. It has been for a long time, and it still is. People are always looking to see what fur prices are going to be. So uh, I post uh, every every year. I post a, 
a fair market forecast. I've been doing that for a long time now. And then I've been posting updates as the major fur auctions come in. Uh, and even a lot of the smaller state uh, trapper association auctions and uh, posting up results and showing, you know, giving people an idea of, of generally what fur is going for. Uh, and I also, I link to a lot of trapping related news articles and try to provide some uh, informative things as well. Uh, some book reviews, some equipment reviews here and there. So anyway, trapping today has been growing for a long time. It's, uh, we have approximately, oh, at this time, about 1,200 subscribers that get a, a update by email every week. That goes out on Monday mornings, and it basically just sends an email of all the articles that were posted on Trapping Today that particular week. So it's a cool way for people to keep up with, with what's going on. You go to trappingtoday.com. There's a thing on the sidebar. If you're on your mobile phone, it'll be down at the bottom. And there's a, a little thing that says join the trapper uh, email list. And uh, that'll give you those free updates every week. So anyway, that's trapping today. Uh, I think there were, I think I had about 100,000 page views this past month. It typically goes between, oh, 30 to 60,000, but things have really been picking up steam lately. So I'm pretty excited about that. And I hope uh, to continue to provide some good quality trapping information for folks. Now, why a podcast? Well, a couple of reasons. But first off, uh, I I listen to podcasts all the time. So I'm I'm pretty busy individual. I uh, I got a wife and two kids. We have a farm. We I'm a fisheries biologist with the state of Maine. So uh, I work a full time job doing that, and then try to trap and do some fishing and other things in the off time. Uh, but basically, for most of my free time during the week, I am busy working uh, in some one form or another. So I don't sit down in front of a TV, um, maybe 20 minutes a week, something like that. So not not much of that going on, not much, not much sitting at all. I'm always moving around doing things. And I I love to be entertained while I'm working and podcasts are the way to do that because you don't have to sit down and watch, say, watch a YouTube video or watch something on TV. You can still get information and you can get it while you're working. So I get the headphones in all the time while I'm doing something. I'm listening to a podcast and uh, gaining some valuable information or some entertaining things uh, occasionally as well. So the only thing about that is there's not... much outside of the you know mainstream business comedy and so on for podcasts podcasts are getting more and more popular but there's only one trapping podcast that uh that i know of right now and uh that's a podcast that's trapping radio um it's put on by clint locklear and uh, clint is has been an excellent really really good resource for trappers for a long time he's provided this information to folks for free online and he's built up quite a following there and uh you know he he has his opinions he has his way of thinking of things uh, maybe not all of us agree with it at all times but uh things would be boring if we all agreed on things uh, but i absolutely love listening to clint's trapping radio i listen to it uh every week he's got oh he's he's closing in on 300 episodes he's got 200 and high 200s episodes right now um so it's been he's been doing it for years 
those are available on his website, trappingradio2.com, the number two. Uh, that's where, where they pop up uh, usually every Friday. Uh, a new episode will pop up there. And uh, the older episodes are on trappingradio.com. So that's pretty cool. Um, it's a podcast once a week, and uh, you get a lot of great information there. I love listening to it, but uh, it's a, you know an hour a week. Uh, he's got there's a couple other guys, uh, a guy named Meat Trapper, and then uh, a guy Chip Davis, and uh, they they fill in and they do some some podcasting as well. So um, it's good information, but. Uh, I, I absolutely love trapping. I absolutely love podcasts. So I thought it'd be a great idea to uh, to try and start a podcast. So that's where we're at. Um, a few of the things I want to talk about. I guess I went over trapping today. Uh, get on there if you uh, if you're interested. Uh, sign up for the email list. Uh, you you can uh, also find me on YouTube. There's a I have a YouTube channel trapping today. Just uh, I think I have about 20, 25 videos posted up there. Not much, but I'm just trying to film certain things here and there, uh, give people some some interesting things to to see, and sort of try to build a community there on YouTube, and also some some information help educate other other trappers. So let's see a few of the things I want to talk about. I don't want to keep you here for too long on this first episode because I know it may be pretty choppy and uh, and uh, I'll be working out the kinks as we go along but I just want to go over sort of a format that I may follow I've kind of been just jotting down notes here on what I want to do with the podcast so the show format probably what I may start doing is just get going with an introduction and then we'll go over uh, some of the latest trapping news that's that's gone on since the previous podcast, uh, some news articles, whatever. Just just keep people up to date on what's going on. Uh, give you an update on what's going on with me on my trap line, uh, and then we'll go into a topic uh, topic of the of the week or of the month or of the day. I don't know how often I'm going to do this, but we'll have uh, we'll have some specific topic that we'll go and try to dig dig pretty deep on. Uh, and then some other special features that I'm thinking about covering is uh, maybe I'll go over a book review or a trapping video review. Uh, maybe share a trapping related website for you uh, to check out. Uh, tip, tip of the podcast, uh, some special idea or trick that can help you become a better trapper. And then if you have questions, you can submit those to me and we can do a, a little question and answer. I'll try to try to answer whatever I can for you. And if I don't have the answer myself, I'll look it up and I'll try to find someone who does. So anyway, let's talk about uh, fur prices really briefly. Um, because everybody seems to want to know what's going on with fur prices. And I used to be kind of intimidated by this and by making predictions. But what I learned is that um, if you pay attention to the markets and the auctions and look at the news, you can pretty much, you can have as good a read on the fur market as the experts. Uh, and I'm far from an expert, but uh, to be honest, I've I've been able to keep up with it pretty closely and uh, have you know haven't made any long-term predictions because nobody can. But uh, I've been, you know, pretty, 
pretty good, pretty spot on with a lot of these predictions. So um, they're not really difficult predictions if you look at what's going on in the market and the fundamentals. Um, and uh, I'm typically pretty conservative, so I don't like to make any... Uh, if I make a wild guess, it's going to be on the conservative side. Uh, if you read, like... The fur fishing game, uh, fur prices. They they have a you know fur market section there in the back of fur fishing game magazine, and I used to read those as a kid, and and I I just loved reading that. But the prices are always a little bit higher, or they seem to be higher in in that magazine than than reality. Um, so for whatever that's worth, I think maybe maybe that's biased a little bit. Not to say anything about bad about the guys doing the forecast because. Uh, uh, there are some experts there, but uh, you know it's it kind of gets people excited, and maybe you want to buy more magazines because you see that prices are high. But anyway, um, I'm just gonna give it to you straight what what I've been seeing. So we are still this as I record this, it's the first of January, 2017, and we are still in a very depressed fur market. So things are things are pretty rough. Um, the overall, so just a a background. I think I'm going to do a podcast episode just on the fur market in general, but just a quick, brief background here. Um, between in the early part of the 20th century, the fur market was dominated by the United States and Western Europe. So the developed countries were. Um, doing good economically and the culture saw fur as a status symbol so if you were in say New York City in the early 1900s if someone had money they're walking around with a fur coat and people had fur coats everywhere it was a very popular thing it was also you know utility um, fur fur is warm uh, it's it's durable and it's warm and it's a good item to have but the most of it was fashion status and that has declined over the years and the US share of the fur market is is almost nothing compared to what it was uh, the final blow of that decline was the the animal rights movement in the early 90s uh, the early 90s there there was a lot of push from PETA to uh, to ban fur and to keep people from wearing fur and, and the culture changed and fur kind of lost its way in in the eyes of the American public. Uh, it's sad uh, because fur, you know, we, we as trappers can and should promote fur as a natural renewable resource. And uh, if we can demonstrate to people that we were harvesting these fur bears in a responsible, humane manner, in, in a sustainable way, um, you know, there's there's a lot more reasons to wear fur than to not wear fur. But anyway, that being said, the U.S. market, if, if we just had, if we sold all our wild fur into the U.S. market, we wouldn't have a fur market. It's just too small. So what's happened, however, is the two major countries, China and Russia, and South Korea to a certain extent, and a few others, but primarily China and Russia, Economies have grown. Uh, they've been very successful. People have more money, especially in China. And 
fur has become very, very popular in those places. So fur, and of course, Russia is cold, 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 uh, and and people people need to wear fur to stay warm there. China, it's a combination. There's colder parts of China, but it's also a very much a status symbol there. And in the whole animal rights idea, people in in China think a little differently than than we do about that. That may change in the future, but but at this point, uh, Chinese they absolutely love fur. So that's what's really saved the fur market and kept things going. Um, you have you know you have the wild fur, and then you have ranched fur, the fur farms. And uh, that that's a topic that can be pretty controversial at times, and um, you know there is a little bit of there, there's there's a dynamic there between wild fur and ranch fur that we'll go into in in a future episode for sure. But anyway, just that being said, China and Russia are dominating the markets for wild fur, except for a few specific items, and for the majority of the the fur items we need people in China and Russia to have disposable income and to spend it. Um, what happened about two years ago is oil prices crashed. Russia's economy is is completely dependent on oil. Uh, they they produce and sell oil to in the global market and that's how they fund their government. That's how they fund their economy. China's economy has grown for at very high rates for a very long time, and a lot of people have thought have have uh, suggested that that's been kind of artificially propped up by the government. Whatever it may be, uh, they're all of a sudden they started seeing that oh maybe they're not growing quite as fast as they they say they are. They predicted or this growth rate was was not very sustainable. So these things happened uh, at a, a critical time and. Everything kind of crashed, and there was no demand for for fur. So the prices just tanked. Like it was funny because it was ironic because in 2013, 2014 we had really good markets. There, there's a, a mini fur boom, if you will, and uh, you know prices now prices had doubled for some items, and uh, now they're they're down to a quarter of what they were um, in in some cases. So anyway, um, let's let's talk about this year. So we're still in that depressed state. Uh, so the two things we got to watch is the oil price, the price of oil, and uh, the U.S. dollar. Um, if oil is high, Russians have more buying power, and that does affect the Chinese economy too, because the Chinese process a lot of the fur um, and and turn make it into uh, to garments for the Russian market. So those two are, are pretty tied together. So we want higher oil prices and a lower value of the US dollar. Because when the value of the dollar is high, other countries don't have as much purchasing power relative to the dollar. So high oil, strong oil, weaker dollar, good for our prices. Um, that's not the case right now. It seems to be getting a little bit better uh, as I record this, but uh, it's still it's still not where it needs to be for us as trappers to uh, to make uh, some sort of an income. Um, 
and cover our expenses. So let's go into a few specific markets. So Beaver, um, Beaver, you know, the uh, the foundation of the fur trade. Uh, it's really sad how low prices have been for Beaver. It's been disappointing for the last few years. Um, you know, for a while there was a long-term average. If you had good Beaver, you get about $25 a pelt. Um, of course, the southern beaver would be lower than that. Right now, we're probably looking at about somewhere between eight and twelve dollars. Uh, that's my prediction for beaver. Um, there's so so the higher quality beavers are made into hats and gloves and and other garments, but the lower quality ones are called hatter beaver. And what what's done with those is they're sheared and the felt uh, is used to make like Stetson cowboy hats and, and other felt hats. It's that real original felt that used to be really popular way back in the day. And so that's providing a floor for this market because the beaver don't have to be prime. They don't have to be like a really high quality pelt to be a hatter. And the hatter market is is keeping that probably eight to $10 floor on, on prices. If, and, and that's actually a pretty good market right now, but you know, if that wasn't the case, those southern beaver, early caught beaver, even in northern regions, you wouldn't be able to sell them at all. So 8 to 12, the sad thing, again, is those really thick prime beaver are not going to have the premium that they used to have. And so they're not going to be much more than that 12 to $14 range, at least at this point. And actually, uh, this month, the Maine Trappers Association had had a sale. They just, it was a small sale. They're in 85 beaver through. They averaged $12.40. And Maine has some really good beaver. So that's what we're looking at there. Raccoon is, is very similar. Uh, coon, coon prices, uh, demand for coon can be swayed a lot by fashion trends because you have the utility uh, coon using hats and coats just for people, you know, keep warm. But when coon is popular in the fashion industry, uh, they they can jump in price pretty quickly. Thing with coons is it's really easy, they're really easy to catch, especially in areas like the Midwest and, and the South. There are places where trappers can respond to high fur prices and stack up coons. Um, there's a huge backlog in inventory of raccoons, and right now I'm thinking we'll be lucky to have about a $5 average overall. Um, some of those uh, lower quality coons, maybe two, three dollars. Some you won't be able to sell. Uh, the really high quality coons, like in in Minnesota, northern Minnesota, and and all that area through Minnesota and Iowa, uh, you know, you may have ten to fifteen dollar coons there in some cases. But but overall, coons can be rough. Um, there's no fashion market for them right now. Uh, that changes every fall. Different fashion lines come out. Uh, there's nothing there's nothing looking good in coon muskrat so so rats um you know a few years ago they they jumped up 10 12 dollars a rat which is pretty awesome for such a small animal um they dropped down two three dollars my prediction initially was they're gonna average about three dollars i've seen some recent sales that have been a little better than that um, i'm thinking there's a little bit of improvement in the muskrat market it's not just China and Russia that consume these. Uh, Koreans use rats as well. Um, 
So we're probably, you know, likely to see 350 to $4 for rats, just depending on, on how the rest of the selling season goes. Uh, coyotes, so, so coyote, uh, their value varies substantially depending on where you are in the country because the coyotes are, are a different animal. Um, the eastern coyotes, like where I'm from in Maine, in the northeast, they're, they're like a German shepherd almost. Those coyotes are... They have really coarse, wiry, long hair, and uh, just not a real quality fur. They're all kinds of different colors. Uh, none of those colors seem to be uh, desired by the market. So uh, contrast that to the western coyotes, like those in, in the high plains and the Dakotas and Montana, parts of Kansas, uh, Nebraska. Uh, those coyotes are a totally different animal. They're they're much smaller, but they have thick, beautiful fur, and it's silky and it's slick and and it's usually pale, paler in color and a more uniform color. Those are in demand right now. Those those are one of the few things that North America uses a lot of because they're used as trim uh, to line like the hoods of of coats of winter coats, winter parkas. And uh, they've, they've been very popular. There's a company called Canada Goose that makes these coats with coyote fur. And uh, that has really driven the market the last few years. So those nice, high-quality, western-type coyotes, you know, we're probably going to look at 50 to $75 averages on them. They may vary quite a bit. We'll see how things turn out. Uh, but the eastern coyotes, probably 20 to $30. And the southern coyotes that don't have as dense of thick thick of a fur, you know, maybe ten to twenty dollars. Mink uh, forever. We've been in like a ten dollar mink range. Uh, probably a little lower this year. I'm guessing about eight. Uh, the ranch mink prices have dropped a lot. They've come back a little bit, but uh, probably a little less than ten dollars for mink. Otter. Um, I think otter otter have have dropped a lot. Uh, Twenty to thirty dollars is probably where we're at with the range there. There, there may be a little bit of improvement. That main fur auction actually did pretty well for otter. I'm not sure who the buyers were that were interested in them, but they averaged uh, thirty-six dollars and fifty cents for for a few otter. They had nineteen otter run through the sale, so it's a small sample. Um, the last one I sold was at Nafa. It was a large number two. And I just actually got a check for it uh, a few weeks ago. I got $15. So it's a private treaty sale. Uh, not too excited about that. But uh, 20 to 30 is probably what we can expect. Uh, and then bobcat. Um, bobcat, those, it's similar to coyotes. Those western bobcats with really spotted bellies and nice thick fur are a completely different animal than the eastern and southern bobcats. So they vary a lot in price. The, the really high-end Russian market uh, for those spotted white coats with the spot, black spots on them, that's driving that market. And those coats are worn by people who have plenty of money regardless of what oil prices are. So there's a lot more disposable income there. They're a lot less sensitive to price. So they're still doing good. I'm thinking about around a $300 average for those western high quality bobcats with lots of spotted bellies like uh, Nevada, Montana, Colorado and then uh, the eastern bobcats maybe $50 to $100 and maybe $25 to $50 for southern. 
Red Fox, $15, $20, hasn't changed much, a little lower than it's been in the past. 20 to 30 has been a good long-term average. Uh, Martin varied quite a bit. We'll go into more detail about, about this stuff. Actually, I'm, I'm kind of going into more detail than I wanted to, but <laughs> uh, Martin from the northeast, northeastern states, and uh, southern parts of Canada, probably looking at $30, $40 average. Uh, the the Intermountain West, like Colorado, um, Montana, Idaho, probably twenty to thirty dollars, and then hopefully we're looking at about seventy five dollars for Northern Canada and Alaska. Those are bigger, darker martin up there, and uh, they're they're in pretty good demand. Fisher twenty to forty dollars is probably it's a wide range. Um, females will probably do a little bit better. And links, uh, I guess that's the last thing I'll cover for for furs. Uh, probably about seventy dollars. The last couple of years they've been about seventy dollars. It's been disappointing because for a long time those links were averaging over two hundred dollars. So uh, it's a you know it's a depressed market, but uh, it's still I guess it's still worth catching them. But uh, but it's it's uh, be nice to see a little more money for them. So anyway, that is an overview of the the fur market forecast here we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have some sales coming up that will I'll be watching pretty closely and uh, we'll we'll see we get the state the state fur auctions coming up in the next two months we're gonna see a lot of state fur auctions as I see them as I see the results I'll post them up on on trapping today and uh, and we'll we'll kind of use that to gauge what what we're going to see for fur. Now, if you're a northern trapper like me, I consider our fur to be a lot of that northern fur. It's pretty th thick and prime. Um, you should probably try to get, I would, I would encourage you to try to get fur in the fur harvesters auction that's held in Helsinki, Finland. Uh, that's going to be in March of this year, I believe. I think it's early February. I'll I'll go over the details as we move along here, but I think in early February the the furs do at pickup locations, and and that auction for the last two years has had the best prices in all the fur market for uh, for a lot of items. So that that's been a good auction. I think I think it'll be another highlight this year. That late NAFA auction, I get a bunch of fur that I didn't I couldn't. I missed the deadline for the the Helsinki sale, and I sent to NAFA, and it was the July auction, and prices had tanked by then. It was so we didn't do very well in that auction. It was actually really poor turnout overall and low prices. So um, try to get into that sale if you can. And moving on, I think we. Well, we've covered a lot of ground here. We're about half hour now, so we're gonna wrap it up, and uh, we'll we'll pick back up on things in the next episode. But thanks for tuning in. Uh, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it, and you have yourself a great day. Go out and harvest some fur. <laughs>